Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Wagney Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Guarini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick, how are we doing? I'm doing great today. Early morning. Yeah. Uh, only ones out here. It's pre-7 a.m. Town well, is empty. Yep. Dogs woke up after us. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're a Steelers fanboy. Why don't you talk about their week one preseason performance? So I could spend an hour digesting and we don't dissecting this whole game from last night. It was the Steelers-Seahawks first preseason game of the year. We saw each quarterback, Rudolph, Trubisky, and Pickett get a touchdown last night. Um, however, Pickett played the majority of the second half coming in midway through the third quarter. His first drive, he was seven for seven and a touchdown. And he ended, uh, I think, 13 for 15 with 95 yards and a and two touchdowns. A game-winning touchdown from, uh, I don't even remember this receiver's name. He's never going to touch the field. All I know <laughs> is George Pickens had the sexy touchdown. George Pickens looks great. He has all training camp, and he even displayed it last night in game. So that's really encouraging for him. So um, your Kenny Pickett bias aside, do you feel more confident that he can leap over Mason Rudolph? As Because Rudolph had a pretty fair performance. He did well. Yeah, he threw well. that dot to Pickens. But I think, I mean, Kenny Pickett did it with his legs, too, at 20 yards rushing. And and it, a lot of the play calls, well, they were conservative for him. It was his first time on the field. They didn't want to give him anything risky because if he screws up, then his confidence level shoot down. So we didn't really get to see Pickett open it up. There were a couple throws that he had actually past the sticks, but most of them were five-yard passes, um, pitches to the running back, things like that. So it'd be encouraging to see him again, see if they open it, let him open it up a little bit more. I think that if he can succeed there, then he will pass Rudolph as the QB2 on the team. But I think Trubisky definitely has the QB1. I want to flip it over to Seattle's running back room mm -hmm. um, with Rashad Penny absent. Is his groin or his hamstring something? He pulled something this past week. Um, Pete Carroll says he should be ready by week one. Uh, but still, nonetheless, Rashad Penny's not there. You saw Kenneth Walker in his first action, who had a pretty good game. Uh, but DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, both of them ran angrily in that game. I mean, they popped off the stat sheet as well. Um, you actually watched all four quarters being a Pittsburgh fans. What could you say about that trio of running backs in Seattle? Um, I think DJ Dallas looked the best out of the three that played last night. He looked very good. He had a great touchdown where he actually hurdled from like well, hurdled. He dove from like the three yard line to get through a tackle and score. Um, it was an, it was an impressive run. Um, so after seeing that, I think DJ Dallas is honestly, he showed more promise than uh, Homer and Walker, but Walker's still ahead of him on the depth chart, I'd say. Yeah, most likely. I mean, they committed a lot of draft capital mm -hmm. to him, but it is interesting because you have two veteran running backs in Homer and Dallas who perhaps uh, look at this rookie with a little vengeance, you know, mm -hmm. they're a little ticked off that he's above him and he's a new kid on the block. So I'm interested to see how those two fare. Um, neither are guarantees to make the roster, the final 53-man roster, although I think um, with more consistent performances throughout this preseason, they could perhaps uh, fight to get some carries off of Walker's back. What do you? So we're both, I wouldn't say high on Penny, but we like Penny where he's at as your fourth running back even. I don't want to touch him with a 10-foot pole if he has a pole exactly. groin right now. I know. So if this, if, if this didn't happen, though, we were both taking him, I think, later. 
Yeah, I mean, he'd definitely be a middle round mm-hmm. running back target for me. He's one of the latest RB1s you can draft. Yeah. Um, can't really find better value in the seventh round. I want to flip it over to Zach Wilson's injury. So he still is undergoing some tests. We think his ACL is fine. Um, torn meniscus, just bad bone bruise on the knee. How concerned are you for this Jets offense as a whole if he's absent to start the season? Is it four weeks that they're expecting? Him? Two to four weeks to is four. what they gave, but he's also going, he's going in for arthroscopic surgery, so just a yeah. little cleanup to mend that meniscus. Um, so I don't, I'm not too confident. We are four weeks away from week one. I'm not very confident that he plays in week one. Oh, he's not playing in week one. I don't think so. Um, I. If, even if he follows the four-week timeline, that's – I mean, shoot. That that's, is week one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, so, yeah, I don't see him playing in week one. Maybe a week two return. I'm not too concerned. I think that he'll be back to where he was at when he comes back. I don't expect him to, like, fall off the face of the earth for it's, missing a couple it's, weeks. It's the same knee he injured last year and missed four weeks for. So, mm-hmm. I guess he's someone that – you know, I wasn't high on my draft boards, but I'm certainly not drafting him in super flex or two QB formats. Um, I don't really want him if he has shaky health to start the season. Yeah, I agree. Let's get into our main topic today. We're going to claim our flag plants for the year. So these are, these are our ride or die guys. Um, these are guys that we're pretty much all in at their ADP, um, at their value. So each of us will Claim a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end to give you some great ideas. As long as if you stick to this list in your draft, you're probably going to have a championship team. It's as simple as that. These are guys that we should uh, circle back to, you know, at at some points in the season and at the end of the season to see how they turned out, you know, hold ourselves accountable. Um, So, yeah, let's get it started here with the quarterbacks. Yeah. Who is your starting quarterback that you are planning your flag on? Move over, Neil Armstrong. This is Nick Musto's moon. I'm not projecting a QB1 finish, but I'm projecting a like QB1 overall. I'm, I'm not projecting that, but I'm projecting him to finish QB8. I think that's a good number for him, especially where he's going as the QB15. Kirk Cousins um, going in the, oh boy, in the 10th round, ninth, 10th round. Math is hard this yeah, morning. It's early. It's like seven o'clock. Um, yeah, he's going in like the ninth, 10th round. He's the 15th quarterback taken off the board. And everything that we've heard this offseason, this offense should be potent with the Kevin O'Connell addition to the coaching staff. Um, we're going to see them throw. I don't think it's an understatement to say 620 passes, something like that. I think that's a very good number for them to be at. Dalvin Cook isn't running the ball yeah. over 250 times this year. So that's oh, 37 pass, 36 passes a game. Um So those are great numbers for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and Irv Smith, and Kirk Cousins included. I expect him. He finishes a QB one three times, three times, I believe. Multiple times. I know he's thrown for 4,000 yards, six of his seven years as a starter. So, and with with a healthy Thielen and Cook, that's just encouraging for him as well. He's going to have more opportunities, better players on the field with him to hopefully boost his fantasy value. Um, so where he's going, he's a great late round pick. Even if he's your second quarterback, he could you could ride with him and offer trade value for your Kyler Murray that you got in the sixth round. Okay, so those are important things to consider. You want to grab someone like this with potential late. Um, so I really like him this year. Kirk Cousins is my number one quarterback to 
draft in one QB leagues. He would have been my flag plant if he wasn't yours. Um, I'm very high on him. I had him projected out as my QB nine. I just think he's got an elite receiving room around him. Uh, he has a great backfield complement with Dalvin Cook. He has an above average offensive line, a new head coach who was a former quarterback himself. I see a lot of things pointing forward uh, or up rather for Kirk Cousins this year. And it's funny that you meant Kyler Murray because he is my flag plant. I am claiming Kyle. Kyler Murray is as elite of a fantasy option as you can get this year. And I'm all in on him. He was a QB 10 last year, despite missing three games, despite having an ankle injury limit his rushing. He was a QB four in points per game. He only ran for 423 yards and five touchdowns last year. The year prior, he had 819 rush yards and 11 touchdowns. That just shows his rushing upside. Last year was a weird, weird, for, weird year for Arizona's offense. Christian Kirk was the only skill player to play in all 17 games. Everybody missed time. I mean, Kyler himself missed time. James Conner missed multiple games. Chase Edmonds was absent. DeAndre Hopkins missed seven games. Uh, their center, most arguably like the core to their offense, Rodney Hudson, he was key in the progression last year for Kyler Murray. He missed games. Um, I'm not overly concerned with the losses of Christian Kirk and James, or excuse me, Chase Edmonds. Uh, they did what they could. They signed Daryl Williams, you know, Benjamin stepping up also as that compliment running back. I think the Hollywood Brown acquisition is going to be pristine this year. Kyler Murray had the number one deep ball completion percentage, the number three deep ball accuracy. He has that rapport built with Hollywood back, dating back to their Oklahoma days. Hollywood was eighth in deep targets last year. I see that being a lethal connection this year. Look, Kyler had a career high 271 pass yards per game last year, 7.9 yards per attempt in 2021. He was very inefficient in the red zone. He was the 25th best passer in the red zone. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury's mind, along with Kyler Murray's consistency, will improve that figure, and he's going to cash in at QB5. I have him as my QB3 for the year. Where do we see his rushing finishing this season? Somewhere in the middle between 423 yeah, and I mean, I, I had him for like 506. Okay. So not even a whole lot larger than last year, but that's still – Look, anytime he runs for a touchdown, he's yeah. going for over 30 points. I do think they cap him a little bit on the running. He is a smaller guy. He's exceptional at, at running the ball, but he is smaller. Freakishly fast. Yeah. I mean, he he's, he's quick. was an outfielder in baseball, yeah. first-round pick in the MLB. I think Kyler at QB5, you're getting him in the fifth round, same round as oh, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. He's maybe Lamar Jackson's right around there. He's by far the best quarterback you can draft outside the top four rounds. I have him over Patrick Mahomes. I have him very near to Justin Herbert for that second overall. There's few quarterbacks that can combine passing ability and rushing ability uh, like Kyler Murray does. Did you see what happened in their preseason game? I did not. So um, Kyler Murray expressed uh, – disinterest in cliff kingsbury's uh play calling oh and cliff made him for the fourth quarter and it was like pun pun yeah interception or something like that i, I actually read that i didn't realize that tied into their preseason game yeah i saw yeah. cliff kingsbury very want to make a stand like 
you call the plays. You see how hard this shit it's is. It's hard, yeah. Apparently, it did not work it out at all for Kyler. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a funny little. <laughs> who's an Who's an RB one that you're planning your flag on that's going to crush your ADP? I think that's Aaron Jones. Um, going as the 11th running back off the board, so uh, ADP is projecting him to finish as an RB one, but a very low end RB one. Um, going in the end of the second round, the 19th pick overall. Um, I don't see how Aaron Jones can finish there. I, I think that if he plays 17 games with all of the targets and receptions he's going to get, which includes a lot of touchdowns for him as well, even though he may not be the goal line guy, um, he'll get some goal line work and he'll also be able to break um, some catches for touchdowns too because he's most, that explosive. Most importantly, he's got the most targets returning on that yeah. team with 65. Yeah, whenever uh, – Devontae Adams has missed games in the past. Aaron Jones has averaged 23 points per game. So I think that speaks to what he can do this season. Um, I'm really expecting him to explode. I think the receptions even increased this year just because of the lack of receiving options for Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I know that A.J. Dillon has shown last year that he can be a very good running back, but he's a handoff guy. He's not the reception guy. And in fantasy football, if you're playing full PPR, which you should be, for the reception guy is the one that you want. So with all those things taken into consideration, I don't see how he can finish at the RB11 spot. I just don't. I don't see it. Yeah, I think he finishes above guys going ahead of him like Nick Chubb and even Alvin Kamara. Um, I really like Aaron Jones. I love Aaron Jones. I have him inside my top 10. However, I don't think you need to put down A.J. Dillon. I think he's a great yeah. running back at his value. Both are going to be on the field a lot. In fact, A.J. Dillon's one of my flag plants for this year you keep on calling out my guys i didn't notice aj Dillon's going in the sixth round um late sixth round he's rb 25 if you're going zero rb there's no better rb1 to draft than aj Dillon at this point uh he commanded the control of the rushing share last year with aaron jones missing two games he outrushed aaron jones 187 times to 171 uh aaron jones is definitely going to handle more receiving work with Devontae Adams gone. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He, like I said, he has the most targets returning. He's got one of the highest target shares in the league among amongst running backs. We all know Green Bay didn't do a whole lot to mend their receiving core. So AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are the best playmakers in this offense. Dillon's a top two playmaker, as I said, in this offense. He's discounted in a split backfield because Aaron Jones is so great. I feel like both of them are discounted because um, the other complement is so talented. Dylan had the 12th most red zone touches among running backs in 2021 with 46. Uh, I see the offense being just driven by these two backs. I see both of them crushing their ADP. They're going to be leaned on heavily, especially when they get close, because we all know Aaron Rodgers, he's turning 39 this year, he's going to lean on those guys that he can trust. Um, and it's not going to be Randall Cobb at this point in his career. It's going to be these two running backs. They're both reliable and they're both going to crush their ADP. Yeah. I, Aaron Jones is going to lead this team in receptions. Dylan's going to leave it in rushing. And I think Dylan has a lot of touchdown upside because of that. He's massive quadzilla. Um, and if you think 150 targets is going to go to, Christian Watson, then I'm sorry, but you're missing on that. And Aaron Jones is going to be the number one receiver on that team. So there we go. So what's the ceiling on Aaron Jones, do you think? How high could he finish in full PPR format? 
Uh, I would, I mean, he's had an RB2 finish in the past. I forget what he was the year after that in 2020. Um, it was top 10. I think it was RB6. I think okay. it was RB6. So, yeah, it was a gr- another great finish. I think that that is easily in the question for him. Uh, I don't see any RB1 finish, don't get me wrong. But I think somewhere between, like, the 4 and the 7, I think that's okay. I, w- I, w- I would say closer to 7 than 4. Okay. I, I would say I can't see him finishing much higher than rb7 without having a monopoly on the rushing um production in this offense to me it just depends on how many of those explosive games he can have you mean we know he's going to score 40 plus points in week two yep especially if they play the detroit lions which i don't think they do this year um but nonetheless he in the last two years he's gone for 42 and 45 points Mm -hmm. in week two so if you're playing against aaron jones in week two uh i'm sorry for your loss I think that both these guys, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, were just exceptional picks this year, especially Dillon because of how late he's going. But if one of them misses time, the other one easily is a top five running back every single week. I'm glad you mentioned that because we saw Aaron Jones miss time Mm -hmm. last year. Um, AJ Dillon is built like a Mack truck, um, but we saw Derrick Henry get hurt at that size. So we don't know if AJ Dillon misses time, then Aaron Jones is going to have a heavy workload. I think Jones does more with less. He's an efficiency monster. Dylan can handle 20 plus touches a game, which I can see in his realm Mm. of outcomes. Um, I think AJ Dylan's ceiling is a mid tier RB two, even with Jones on the field at all times. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to my next guy. Yeah. Um, Elijah Mitchell. Your baby. I talk about him in every podcast. I was I was <laughs> trying to avoid it this it. podcast, but um you can't. It's, it's your guy. So it's I had to. Guy. Yeah, exactly. So I love Elijah Mitchell. I loved him last year. He was my favorite waiver wire ad, and I added Dalton Schultz off the waiver wire. So that goes to say something. Um RB22, uh, end of the fourth round, very beginning of the fifth round, depending on who you're drafting with and how they're drafting. Um, so something I really like about him is he is the only, um, 49ers running back in the last five years besides Raheem Mostert, who's had 17 plus carries five times in a season. We saw that last year with him. Mitchell had it nine times, correct? Or am I mistaken? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And in the 11 games he played, he had 963 yards. Um, he was crazy efficient, great running back with limited touches, really. I mean, 17 carries per game is good, but it's not like, you know top level I don't, running back I, don't I don't see him exceeding that average yeah if you stretch it over I don't know 17 either. games but it's something I really like in the fifth round he's really the last running back going off the board that I really want in my starting lineup every week because after him it's like Clyde Edwards Hilaire Miles Sanders AJ Dillon yeah exactly so there you go um he is in that middle of the dead zone he is yeah and I something I really like about him is the reports coming out of camp are exceptional um granted they have been exceptional for each running back in the 49ers locker room however with um elijah mitchell they've been saying that he looks like a true rb1 and that's something i really like um i know we're a little scared of 49ers backfields because it's a different player has led the team in rushing for like five straight seasons but i think that's more due to injury than coach trust because every 49ers running back has been injured and then it's the next guy steps up. And that's why we have this like changing of the guards every season. So you're projecting the trend, the trend's over. The trend is over. San Francisco 
uh, carousel is done with. Yes, if Elijah Mitchell can stay healthy for even 15 games, he's going to dominate that team in rushing yards, I think. What's his ceiling? Going as the 22nd round, I think he can finish as an RB1. I think he finished top 12 at very back end, like 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah. I can foresee it. I mean, he was great when he was on the field last year. Mm-hmm. San Francisco still has a high powered offense, perhaps more inclined to run the ball this year with Trey Lance taking over. Yeah. I, what I really like too, is just the draft or the draft position. Like you're, he, he's your fifth player. And I think that's great to have in your flex as a starting running back. Not bad. Mitchell and Dylan are both great candidates for your RB1 and zero RB. And when I say zero RB, I'm actually going to write about it in this week's newsletter. We forgot to do our socials. <laughs> Subscribe to our newsletter, Winning with Wagme at wagmefantasy.com. The. But regardless, if you choose to do zero RB strategy, you do not have to fully commit to it. You can go, you know, if, if you go three, four rounds without taking your RB1, uh, it, don't feel as if you need to stick to your guns. Oh, I can't draft a running back until the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth mm-hmm. round, you know, whatever you set. Um, you can't be so concrete in your thinking. So these two guys are great RB1s yeah. or even RB2s in a zero RB strap. There's a couple guys like going around them too that you'd like, like a Kareem Hunt or even like a Miles Sanders has a chance to really just Devin blow Singletary, yeah. like worst case scenario, Devin Singletary is your RB2. Yeah. Um, if you have, you know, Justin Jefferson or Travis Kelsey or some uh, other elite positional value. So- um, something that something I really like. Um, I know it's not a zero RB strategy, but it's something to consider. I think it's really important to grab one of those elite running backs in the first and second round. Like if you can get your hands on like an Eckler or Joe Mixon or something right. like that, and then you just go receiver, 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 maybe with, another receiver. I'm with and then go year. running back. Yeah, because you can piece together a really good wide receiver core in rounds mm-hmm. four to seven. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do my other running sure. back five plant. <laughs> Um, so you did Aaron Jones earlier and RB an RB one being drafted right now. I too am choosing an RB one going in the latter half of that, those tiers that's Alvin Kamara. He's going at the two Oh nine on average right around RB 12, RB 11, somewhere in that range. He's my RB seven this year. Last year, he was the RB eight. He missed three or four games. He averaged over 18 points per game. He only had four games below 16 points. Uh, Kamara is still utterly amazing for fantasy football. He had a career high 240 carries, career low 47 receptions. His efficiency went tank down um, with the added volume. But um, that's the post Drew Brees life for him. I feel like with Jameis Winston back, uh, he'll smooth out those numbers. They have Mark Ingram back in the backfield to take a little bit of that load off. I don't see Kamara. Yeah, but I think. What I'm saying is Mark Ingram will keep Alvin Kamara under 200 carries for the year, uh, maybe 220. Uh, I feel like Kamara's value has really been bogged down by the pending suspension, the strong wide receiver core. Uh, They're all weighing his value down. And I also feel like people see that he wasn't utilized um, that heavily in the receiving game last year with 47 receptions. And the strong receiver core coming in, perhaps keeping that number low. Um, However, with Jameis Winston back, he averaged over four receptions per game with Winston on the field. That's including a zero target game against the Giants um, last year. So a bit of an anomaly to have zero targets in a game for Alvin Kamara. 
Kamara still had the number one target share amongst running backs. He only had nine total touchdowns last year. Uh, he's had seasons with 18 and 21 touchdowns before. He has a rare blend of a high receiving floor, um, elite efficiency, over five yards per carry throughout his career last year was, was terrible with the added volume and the touchdown upside. I mean, he, he only had nine last year. That's 12 less than he had the previous year. Um, there's very few running backs that can blend all that receiving efficiency and touchdown upside. I feel like Alvin Kamara is just a, a no brainer. If you're looking for an RB one in the second round, he's my flag plant for my RB one um, this year. Put it in the ground. Yeah. Um, so it looks like the suspension is going to be pushed back to next season for Kamara. Um, we're not too sure yet, but that's what it's looking like. It's where it's trending. So if that, that's the case, where does he move to ADP? Well, if he's suspended, it's going to be six games for the whatever is in the code of conduct for them. It, it basically says six games for misdemeanor or whatever he's going to be charged. Um, I, I feel like he would go back to the fourth or fifth round. I mean, think about it. It's just like DeAndre Hopkins um, or perhaps Deshaun Watson. I don't know about his case, um, but you have to go absent with that player for six weeks. How much do you value yeah. that? But is this is this where he goes, like end of, mid to end of the second round, if there's no suspension, or do you think he goes higher? I could see higher. Him. Is in... I I think he goes middle of the second round. I don't okay. see him going much further. I don't see him surpassing DeAndre Swift, uh, Dalvin Cook, even Aaron Jones. I feel like all of them are going to go ahead of Alvin Kamara, which is to my delight. I'll gladly take him in the second round is a low end RB one where he's going at um, his ceiling. No, I feel like the RB one overall is his ceiling. Okay, I mean, he's he, done it before. He's yeah. done it before, but it's, it's not just, yes, it is that. I mean, he, yeah. he caught the ball 80 plus times the first four times in a season. He's had, like I said, two seasons with 18 plus touchdowns. Um, we've seen him do it before. And although the circumstances are slightly different, I, f I feel like he can definitely do it again. Yeah, I love Kamara, but and I could see him finishing much higher than RB11, but I don't see a number one overall spot in the possible outcomes just because I think that without Drew Brees, the we'll see the receptions drop a lot. Like last year, we didn't really have a chance to see that because they had, didn't have James Winston, and I didn't expect anything from him with the quarterback play that he had, he even had Ian Book in a game. So I'll say his ceiling is higher than Aaron Jones from that second round. I there. agree. Just because he's slightly. not splitting. Yep. Yeah. Slightly. I agree. All right. Let's, let's flip it over to wide receiver. Sure. Um, so my first flag plant wide receiver that I'm going to go into every draft looking for, and you guys will check me on all throughout the season is CD lamb wide receiver seven um, going as going as the 17th pick. Um, so that's middle of the second round, early second round. Um, there is no Michael Gallup for however long that he I think is going he's to. gone for eight plus weeks. Okay, so yeah, no Michael Gallup for at least half the season. Um, no Amari Cooper. Don't like set it in stone half the season. Yeah, but he's he's already written off week one, which indicates like he's not there yet. So I, I feel like week six or later. Okay, but so yes, eight plus. There weeks. will be a return for Michael Gallup at some point, not in the near future. Let me say that. Um, also know Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson's now a dolphin. I James Washington with a broken foot. I forget the name of the injury. Um, that leaves Liz Frank or no? Oh, 
Jones fracture. Jones fracture. That's go. it. Yep. Sorry. So <laughs> with all this vacated target share, um, I mean, I'm not the only person to say this, but I think CD Lamb should eat a lot of that up. Now, this does come from an offense and a quarterback in Dak Prescott, who has notoriously, infamously not oversaturated a single receiver in the past with targets. However, I just think there's such a lack now. Like they've had multiple options in the past. Mm -hmm. Now we're looking at the wide receiver two is Jalen Tolbert, a rookie. Um, finally remembered his name. I talk about him all the time, but I can like never remember his name. But yes, CD Lamb's going to have, I think if if he has a 25% target share, he'll pay off just because I think Dak Prescott's a very good quarterback. I think this offense is very good. I think they throw the ball a lot. So 25% of a large number is a very good number. It's better than 25%. If Debo Samuel has 25%, that's not going to be as many targets as cd lamb will have the 25 i think 150 plus targets yeah. is um not by all means guaranteed but likely for cd lamb yeah and he's a third year receiver we often see a breakout in the third year from receivers that's a common trend in fantasy football so i really like this high octane offense uh going in the second round i love him as my wide receiver one um if i'm going zero running back strategy and i have justin jefferson and cd lamb if i can pull that off or like a, even a digs in a cd i really like that um, those are two high-end wide receiver ones. He's my wide receiver five on the year. So I, too, I shouldn't say I'm all in on CeeDee Lamb um, just because we haven't seen that breakout year yet. I mean, he really didn't show much promise from year one to year two, not much improvement. But I think this is the year um, he fills out his pants. He steps mm -hmm. up for this Dallas Cowboys offense. There's no more Amari Cooper to hold his hand throughout the throughout the field. So I, I like C.D. Lamb this year. I'm, I'm pretty much all in on this guy being a top six wide receiver. Um, he's safe to draft, I feel like. Yeah. Safer than Debo Samuel, safer than Jamar Chase even. He's got a top three ceiling. Yes, Just he does. Just the number of targets he'll receive. So I'm planting my flag on Michael Pittman. He is going as the wide receiver 13 late in the third round at the 311. Um, he's my wide receiver nine. Last year, he had 129 targets, a 26% target share. Only 99 of those targets were catchable. Um, that just speaks to Carson Wentz's inability to accurately throw the ball. Um, Wentz was the 32nd, had the 32nd highest catchable pass rate. Um, just to put that in perspective, Matt Ryan knows how to feed a wide receiver. I feel like I mentioned this every podcast. Julio Jones, Roddy White. Um, Calvin Ridley, Tony Gonzalez. You can look at Harry Douglas. That's a name that you haven't heard in probably a decade. Um, all of them were fed by Matt Ryan. Um, I feel like with Ryan's presence, the offense is going to be a little bit more balanced than rely on Jonathan Taylor to carry them across yeah. the finish line. Pittman's entering his third year. He's still growing into his career. He did have a breakout year last year, 88 catches over a hundred or excuse me, a thousand receiving yards. Um, I still feel like he's on an upward trajectory. He's still very young. He had the fourth highest route win rate, which is amazing for the volume. He had the 19th most routes ran. Um, so that definitely speaks to the caliber of receiver. Michael Pittman is he's six, four. He's a big body. He can pretty much fill out the route tree. I'm excited about him to be paired with a more reliable veteran with Matt Ryan. 
I'm all in on Michael Pittman this year. Um, I know they're different players, but there's a lot of comparisons you can make here with Calvin Ridley. He went in the early fourth round, end of the third round two years ago before last season with the holdout from him or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, so people were drafting him in the same position with Matt Ryan. And I think that was Ridley's third season in this is Pittman's third season as well. So I think that there's just a lot of comparisons to be made. Uh, Ridley really paid off. Yeah. Finishes, like the was, wide receiver five or six, I think. I would year. love a Michael Pittman yeah. top five yeah. season. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I feel like his ceiling is capped off at the low end wide receiver one range. Um, I feel like perhaps wide receiver nine where I'm projecting him is his ceiling, if not um, very close to it just because the type of player he is. He's a volume hog. He's a chain mover. He reminds me of Michael Thomas a lot. Um, those guys that can just know how to get open mm -hmm. intermediate routes and collect first downs. Um, so I don't know if he has the true upside, like perhaps CD Lamb does to finish as a top five receiver, but Nonetheless, I'm planting my flag on him. Yeah, I like it too. I'm a big Pittman guy this year. He'd be your third receiver, and you have a wide receiver one. So I'm saying I, I love the strategy of taking an elite running back early on and just maybe two if I can get two guys that I love or even Travis Kelsey up there and then just filling out my receiver core in the middle rounds. Yeah, I, I like pain myself in mock drafts because that's always my strategy. Like first round, I want like a high-end receiver. But then – once I do that, like I'll, or first round, I want a high end running back. And then I go receiver after that. And then I take one, like I get my Eckler or Joe Mix. And I said those names earlier, I'll use them again. But then it comes back around to me and Aaron Jones is still on the board. And I'm like, every single time I stray from that strategy in the second round, like it just dies off immediately because I can't pass up on the talent at running back. No. So thin. Um, so I'm going to move on to my next guy, Mike Williams, uh, wide receiver 19. Uh, going in the fifth round, uh, someone I love this year. He could be your fourth, third or fourth receiver. Great flex play. Um, could finish ahead of his counterpart in this offense, which is Keenan Allen. Uh, he's going to get a ton of volume. Uh, they signed him to, I think it was a three-year deal. I could be mistaken. Three years, $60 million. $60 million, yeah. He got the money. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing with Mike Williams is, I like where he's going. I don't know if I'd take him higher because I still expect volatile weeks from him. I think we can. Oh, yeah. He's that. a very volatile player. Yeah. Um, you're never not going to get Mike Williams volatility. Yeah. It's just who he is. Through the first five weeks, they were magnificent. He was the wide receiver, too. And then he had the knee injury, and he admittedly, the coaching staff as well, said that he was not 100% while playing. So a few weeks go by. The whole month wasn't great. He comes back. And he finishes um, for the rest of the season after the four after the four weeks of knee injury that he seemed to recover from. After that, he was the wide receiver four for the rest of the season. So he's I, someone that I like this year. He had six or seven games single digits last year, um, but also six games above twenty points. Exactly. So there's it's all or nothing. There's no just one meal with Mike Williams. You either get no food, you starve, or you get a buffet. Um, he is just the epitome of all or nothing. And I love that as my second or third wide receiver. That's exactly where he's going in the fifth round. I, too, love Mike Williams this year. Um, 
perhaps we're an echo chamber of mm. each other, but I think it just speaks to confidence we have in these players. I mean, we do our homework. Yeah. We know who's who. Um, I really like Mike Williams too. He was the wide receiver 12 last year. I have him projected as my wide receiver 11 this year. I think he he's still young. He's younger than Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan Allen's definitely going to pace the Los Angeles offense in volume, but Mike Williams is that big play guy. He has a career mark of 16 yards per reception. Um, last year, he had nine touchdowns. That's not even the most in his career. Yeah. He had a double-digit touchdown season uh, year two of his career. So he flashes potential. Last year, he had 130 targets or 129. And if he matches that total, he's easily going to finish with season totals that weren't a wide receiver one. Yeah. And I think there will be less um, down weeks for him this season. I think that he solidifies his role a little more this year. So you talk about Elijah Mitchell every podcast. I talk about Darnell Mooney every podcast. And I'm planting my flag on Mooney's moon right here. Um, He's going as a wide receiver 30 in the early seventh round. He's my wide receiver 19, so I'm projecting him to be a mid wide receiver too. Look, I'm going to keep this short because I say every week, 140 targets, 27% target share, entering year three, entering year two with Justin Fields. Uh, both are going to progress greatly as, as they go on. Uh, look around. There's no alternatives in this offense. Game flow is going to help. They're a terrible team that's going to be losing that is in dire need to pass mm-hmm. um, just to stay in it. Cole commits the secondary receiving option. There's no, there's a slew of terrible receivers behind them. All of them are injured. Um, thus just pushing up the volume concentration into Darnell Mooney. He was a wide receiver 13 from week nine on last year, finished as a wide receiver 23 overall. I feel like he's he's I just don't get why he's still going that wide receiver 30. He's easily going to crush his ADP. My thing with Darnell Mooney is I like the player. This is someone that we don't agree 100 percent on. I know you're you love Darnell Mooney this year, but I don't see how he could finish much higher than a very low end wide receiver, too just because of the offense that he plays on. I, it's just the touchdown upside for him scares me so much. Like, yeah, he's going to get a ton of receptions, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But he's not – there's no high ceiling. There's there. no – yeah, absolutely, which is why he is in that back half of the wide receiver two range. Yeah. Um, he, he only scored five total times last year. There's no possibility to, to score double-digit times. It's not the type of offense to support that. He's not the type of player to do that. He would have to scamper in from 40 plus yards. I mean, I don't know if Chicago is going to be in the red zone double digit times this year, (laughs) Um, but I've the volume. If you're getting 150 plus targets, which I could definitely see him pacing the league in targets this year, um, 100 plus receptions on the year, you're looking at, you would think a wide receiver one finish, but since he lacks that touchdown upside, he's he is a back half wide receiver too. Um, but he's certainly not going to finish outside that range as long as if he and Justin Fields stay healthy. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, just the targets he's gonna it's just gonna loft him above other guys who may be on better offenses. In the seventh um, round, you can't find someone yeah. with that amount of volume. Um, so I'm gonna move to the tight end position. This is our my last flag plant of the episode. Irv Smith, tight end 15, going in the 
13th to 14th round. Like he's going super late. Um, someone I love, I mentioned him. I mentioned his name briefly earlier when I was talking about Kirk cousins, my flag planted quarterback, um, who was also the QB 15 or Smith is a tight end 15. Wow. Isn't that insane? Irony. <laughs> um, so he's going super late. He could be your second tight end. Um, he's someone to take a shot on. There's not a lot of value in these late rounds. Like I know it sounds bad to say that, but there isn't. Um, so you take shots on guys. Don't be who, so dark. <laughs> you take shots on guys who have a chance to really exceed their ADP. And I think Irv Smith does that. Um, great talent coming out of Alabama. Missed last season. Um, the thumb doesn't scare me this year. It scares um, me. Does it? Yeah, I mean, he's missing. He's been out for a week and a half now. He's missing very important preparation time heading into the season. I guess, but I think he's back soon. And I, he's he knows the offense. He's been there for few years i know it's a newer offense with kevin o'connell but he knows that he knows the players he knows kirk cousins um so that i think helps him so i really like him as my tight end too. take a shot on a guy late um i think he could exceed this by a lot i think he could finish as a top eight tight end if he, he plays he does have that upside especially yeah. in a newly high octane offense um as he's starting tight end irv smith does have the upside to finish as a high tight end i mean we see every year someone catapults into that mm-hmm. category out of nowhere last year it was dalton schultz the year before it was robert tanyan um so if somebody's gonna do it perhaps it's irv smith i for one is am weeding away because of this injury um not because i think it's detrimental long term i just think he's gonna miss valuable preparation time he's a young guy and a new offense um i i want to shy away from him um but i do understand as your backup tight end, what's it going to cost you, right? Yeah. So you could, you easily have um, that capability to take on that risk with a backup tight end. Um, it's not going to cost you much, and he has a lot of upside. I'm playing my flag on Dalton Schultz. He is the best value in all of fantasy football this year. It's going in the late fifth round as the tight end six. He's my tight end four, so it's not like I see him crushing expectations but he's the cheapest elite tight end. Um, for some reason, he's classified as the second tier of tight ends. Well, third tier if you have Travis Kelsey in his own. Mm-hmm. But Schultz is being drafted below George Kittle, Darren Waller, uh, Kyle Pitts when he belongs in the thick of things. Is Last- this, is, sorry, is this ADP above Hawks? Yes, slightly. Okay. Like they're pretty much back to back. Um, but he had an excellent breakthrough season in 2021, finished as a tight end three. Him and Dak had these, him and Dak ranked second in catchable target rate and target accuracy. I think that speaks to the level of trust that they have in this offense. CD Lamb, as you mentioned before, he's the only guy above Dalton Schultz in this passing game packing order. I don't see any newcomers uh, surpassing Dalton Schultz in volume. Dallas had the second fastest pace of play last year, 647 team pass attempts. Schultz only had a 16% target share. I feel like that's going to increase with Amari Cooper gone, Michael Gallup absent for the start of the year, Cedric Wilson gone as well. He's an excellent value after the rest of the elite tight ends. Dalton Schultz is a slam dunk in the middle of the fifth round. Yeah, every time this team is in the red zone, um, in a passing situation, Dalton Schultz is going to get a target. Throw it to the six-five yeah. dude. Why he's he's going to come down with it. Um, so yeah, I really love Dalton Schultz this year too. I've talked a lot about him. I don't really need to go in depth on it. Nope. 
if you stick to our flag plants, you're going to have a successful year. Uh, I plan on sticking to mine. So uh, perhaps you should do the same. Let's reiterate, go through your starting lineup. Okay. So quarterback Kirk Cousins, uh, running backs, Aaron Jones and Elijah Mitchell, wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Williams, tight end Irv Smith. I got Kyler at quarterback, running backs, Alvin Kamara, A.J. Dillon, wide receivers, Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, tight end Dalton Schultz. All of them are guarantees to finish above their ADP as long as if they stay healthy. Connect with us on our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, at Fantasy. Don't forget to go to our website, wagmefantasy.com. Go ahead and subscribe to our newsletter, uh, Winning with Wagme. What do we call it? The New York Times of fantasy football. It's going to get you ready for the draft. Keep you ready in the season. We're going to have great advice all throughout the season. Uh, start them, sit them, waiver wires, trade targets, buy low, sell high. You get it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.